Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. So if you're anything like me, you've been uh, spending a lot of these quarantine days just browsing Twitter, and if you follow some of the same music critics I do, you've probably noticed random boredom-inspired tweets along the lines of, post your four favorite albums with red covers, or like, post your the top three bob dylan songs or post the best albums from the year you were born etc etc well we're bored too and the question about best albums from the year you were born particularly caught our eyes because each of us happens to have been born in a different year dan in 1987 darren in 1988 and me in 1989 so we decided to turn this random tweet into an episode long game we've each picked our four favorite albums from the years we were born And we're going to put them head to head to head in order to determine which year was truly the best. 1987, 1988, or 1989. It's going to work like this, guys. Dan will pick an album. We'll chat about it. I think this will be fun because we'll get to have like mini discussions about a bunch of our favorite albums ever. Then Darren will select a challenger. I'll do the same. And we decide who won the round. Got it? All right. Yep. Okay. So, Dan, you're going in blind on the first round here. What do you want to start with? Yeah, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here, so, you know, I should get, like... It's because uh, you're, you know, you're the oldest. You're the oldest. That's true. I'm the wisest. Right. I'm the wisest. Yeah. That, that's good. <laughs> I'll take that. All right. Well, since I'm going in blind here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with a big gun. I'm going to start with uh, Prince, Sign of the Times. Uh, you know, what's okay. better than, than one Prince album? A double Prince album, you know? Here, <laughs> this, this, is, this record, huge. 70, uh, 80 minutes long, you know, here. We're getting the, the tip-top prince at the at the the height of his game uh you know some of some of the best songs he's ever done sign of the times uh ballad of dorothy parker you got the look you know this is just you you can't beat this record a fantastic top-notch prince release yeah so i think this is like a perfect almost a pretty much perfect album and yet like kind of imperfect in its perfection you know it's kind of got that like solid double album style mess to it i think you know revisiting Mm -hmm. this week i was struck by you know just how uh, like how how little songs like like the ballads like slow love and stuff have actually uh stuck with me over the years i I just it just feels like sometimes i convince myself like oh yeah they're perfect they're brilliant they fit here uh but just listening this week i was like i just kind of don't dig those songs that much here and it's like there are Prince ballads that I adore, obviously, um, but, you know, they're a little weird. Do you think so at all? I mean, you know, anytime, like you said, anytime you get a double album, you sort of get this this mess quality. But if I, you know, am remembering what you've said correctly, you love that about uh, double albums, Gabe. Yeah. Uh, like, you, you always talk about this, like, white album thing where it's like, it's almost like throwing everything at the wall and just like whatever sticks and uh, i think that's like perfectly what we've got here like yeah of course when you've got 80 minutes it's not all gonna be you know five star banger tracks you're gonna have you know because like like slow love that is a good example you know it's not a bad song but it's not like one that you maybe come away at the end of this record and are in love with um you know there's a couple other ones but you know just in general like when you when you've got just like the so much music it, it, it just it like shows prince in the same way like the, the white album with the beatles it's just like it, you you're seeing like this genius he's just got so he's pouring so much out that like he, he's he's got to give you 80 minutes of it because i mean he's our you know how much should he cut from this 80 minute you know that like we're still getting this much you know it's just just pouring out of him yeah 
I mean, yeah, I, I, I have to concede that. that I, and I was trying to kind of say that it's like, it's a perfect kind of messy thing. Not everything works. There are songs like, I don't know, Hot Thing that goes on like at least two minutes too long. You know, but House Quake's still... a little uh, <laughs> unnecessary too. I actually like really, really fuck with House Quake for some reason. <laughs> uh, it was like a This Week development that I was like, God, I love this song. But how do you feel about what we're talking about here, Darren? Like, is it, it's not like perfect, but it's perfect for being imperfect. Yeah, I mean, I, you know... I... I definitely agree with the double album, the white album concept, all the stuff that we, we've talked about like over the years. I, I, I definitely agree with all that, you know, th- but something about this album, I just, I feel like I've got to be like in a particular headspace to really want to like enjoy it. You know, it's not a particular album that I like to just pull songs out and just listen to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, that's kind of true. You know, like with something like obviously like purple rain, like you don't, there's, it seems like every song on any day you could just like jump in and listen and, and it'd be fine and everything. I don't know. Like, when I come back to this, like I'm reminded very similar to you gave like, Oh man, I, this song is awesome. Or like, this is not so great, whatever. Um, but there's, there's hardly a moment where I'm like, you know, after I listen to the album, like, Oh, let me just go back and listen to a couple of these songs or there's some like really banger tracks. Like, I feel like it's, if, if I'm going to listen to anything on this album, I've just got to listen to the entire album. And if I got to be in the mood to do it, if I'm not, then I just, this is kind of one of the uh, Prince albums. I just like tend to, uh, to look, look past, you know what I mean? Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like simultaneously a grab bag, but also very, very cohesive somehow. Um, you know, I, I was, I was really struck revisiting it by, it's it sounds very weird like it sounds like very alien futuristic kind of but like very minimal a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um i always think about you know you think about like prince like prince just sounds like prince and yet i don't know think about the song like kiss you know it sounds like it's like quite glossy and you know like weird sounding like alien sounding or like you know the song 1999 it sounds almost like craft work yeah a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah and yet it's always like at the core, it's like a funk band just filtered through the lens of Prince's like warped, weird mind, you know? Yeah. Um, here, it just, it's not even like a band or anything. Like, Sign of the Times, like, what is that? It, like, that's not like a, a funk song. That's not a rock song. The instrumentation isn't familiar in any way. Like, Hot Thing, I mentioned earlier. Like, he, what was he just trying to like write? a pop song with just a drum beat basically like was that the idea and it's not even like you know it's not real drums it's just like some glitching kind of like you know like if i was your girlfriend what the fuck is that it's not like a (laughs) rock song it's not a pop song even when it's a little bit traditional you know like um i don't know starfish and coffee is kind of like a psychedelic pop song or something there's just something very alien and like future it's gonna sound like the future forever this album you know what i mean dan yeah Yeah, but i mean you know that that's one thing i love so much about prince though is like you know that this album is 32 years old but it still you know sounds futuristic and i mean a a good deal of his like you know great you know discography like it always feels like that you know it never feels dated uh i think like the 80s uh, especially sort of gets that like rap for being like you know the 80s sounds like the 80s and uh while while certainly this like suffers from some 80s problems like the mixing and stuff on this record is god awful but um you know it, it doesn't have like this like dated quality about it at all yeah, it just needs a remastering, and like yes, at this rate, <laughs> we'll, at this rate, we'll get that remaster by like twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, and then you know what? This goddamn Prince Estate is taking their sweet ass time with Must this, hate like, money. the most needed remastering job in music history. Um, 
So just to clarify, Darren, this is like not, you know, where is this in your Prince love? This is like not even like top three for you or what, you know, what, what is this? Um, I mean, you know, it's probably number three or number four. Um, it's not that I don't like it. It's just, like I said, it, I feel like I've got to be in like a certain headspace and like this week it was kind of wild, like listening to so many different like genres, even though they were like, clo- you know, very close in years. Yeah, but, um, yeah. This was one of the experiences I was like kind of not looking forward to because I just wasn't in a mood for Prince really, even at all. Oh, um, interesting. And you know, I don't know when I'm, when I'm in the mood for Prince, like I, I kind of just like to listen to, I don't know, a, a sprawling double album is, is just a bit challenging for me. Like that's just not always the Prince that I'm, I'm ready to get into now. I uh, granted again, like there are moments on this album that I'm like, this is amongst the best, uh, of Prince, uh. but you know, I feel like to the album's credit, like you've got to listen to the whole thing and you know, it's just not, not one of my favorites. Okay, well, I want to, you know, do some bouncing around on this episode, refer back to things. One thing I want you guys to think about, like, hold in your mind, is um, I think it's kind of interesting how, like, a bunch of the stuff that we picked seems to really look ahead to the next decade, whereas, Mm -hmm. like, an album like this, it feels like the 80s are peaking. It's almost like the 80s kind of ended early or something. So, I don't know, just hold on to this hypothesis, and we can return to it as we talk about some other things. Darren... What are you going to submit in round one to challenge Sign of the Times? Well, I am going to put forth NWA's Straight Outta Compton. Interesting. Okay, what an interesting uh, comparison. Uh, (laughs) I've never once in my head thought, what do I like better, Sign of the Times or Straight Outta Compton? uh, Okay, so why why did this make your starting for for, uh, the best records of 1988? So this is is one of the last... um, albums so this is the last pick of my starting four i guess um not because i thought that there was really anything else that definitely should have been there but um you know i just i wasn't like entirely sure so i ended up really picking this album largely for what i feel like is its importance and that's why i'm putting it mm-hmm. forth to challenge um prince's album here that you know i, I think you know, head to head, NWA's Straight Outta Compton just holds a larger purpose, you know, or, or has a greater impact, I think, on the future of music, right? Um, personally, I mean, I I love the record, loved it, you know, for a while. Um, it's just a ton of fun to listen to. Um, you know, incredibly raunchy, you know, rap music. Um, and I, you know, I think everybody pretty much agrees it's kind of a landmark al- album. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I'm, it's on, that's why it's on my starting four anyway. Yeah. What is your personal relationship with this, Dan? I don't know if I even have heard you talk about it before. Yeah. I, I, I love this record actually. Um, I, I, um, I kind of came to it like a little later, you know, like the earlier hip hop, you know, it, it like sort of takes a little bit to get used to when you like started in, you know, more contemporary stuff, I think. But, uh, you know, probably 10 or so years ago, I, I like really, really started to like this record a lot. Um, uh-huh. And I became like a really big Ice Cube fan just in general, like yeah. just just really love them. And then, I mean, um, of course, that movie that came out was like really excellent and everything. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, I mean, I 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Darren did pick this, you know, I mean, not glad because uh, it's not my year, but <laughs> <laughs> like it, it is a great record. <laughs> well, let me walk you through my theory on this album. Um, that and and it didn't even occur to me because I hadn't listened to it in a very long time. This might have actually been one of the very first rap records I ever bought. Um, because I, you know, was just some like white kid in the suburbs. I didn't know what was good. I just, I, I had heard the phrase "fuck the police" and I knew NWA did it. So I was like, let's start here. Um, you know, it's just tough because, like you said, it is kind of '80s rap and a little primitive in that way. But the thing with this album is, I think it's a fucking mess. Like, it's not a good album. Um, <laughs> it basically comes out just guns blazing with Straight mm-hmm. Outta Compton, "fuck the police." And gangsta gangsta like basically like one of the best three r- song runs ever yeah um and then it becomes like you know filler and the occasional bright spot like express yourself even though express yourself is like very strange because it seems so anti nwa you know it's like the most positive uplifting like kind of fun soul <laughs> type song ever um really shitty like attempts at you know radio play i guess something to dance to is just like garbage and like you know just ruins the end of the album um it's not a good album you know what i mean but it's like it basically what it represents and to me what is like epitomized in these first three songs and then and then does pop up like elsewhere um is so important so just mind-blowing every time you put on straight out of compton you know the way it like kicks off it just like you know knocks you on your ass immediately um no matter how many years it's been and yet the entire album is unlistenable you know like fucking ice cube disappears for such long stretches of time Mm -hmm. and he's kind of like the star he's like the main selling point here like you get what i'm saying i can't even think of another album like this where like i would call it a 10 out of 10 and yet it sucks (laughs) you know (laughs) I mean, I think it's I think it's a fair assessment. Uh, you know, it's it's an it's an important record. I think it I think it's fun to listen to, but I'm also not like spinning this all the time. You know what I mean? Like I usually come back to it when there's something to talk about when we when we're talking about it. Right? We've talked. I think we've talked about this record at least once before. Um, mm. But you know, I don't disagree. I mean, those top th- those first three songs kind of like you know shock you and then i feel like the rest of the album for me at least personally it's it's kind of like it tries to maintain somewhat that same level you know i don't i don't feel like there's like a massive drop off necessarily like what do you think dan yeah i i sort of agree uh with darren more you know like this album doesn't suck but i mean the you know those those first three songs like they obviously you know front wrote front loaded the record uh you know those are just three you know straight bangers and then yeah of course the rest the rest of the record is is a little bit of a downstep from that but i think there's still good stuff on here i like eight ball um i like uh dope man uh um, yeah, something to dance to, not that great. Express yourself weird and not very good. But I mean, I don't think that it's a bad record. It's just, it's sort of a dated record, like I said. Um, and you know, like it, it definitely, like the rest of the record doesn't live up to like those three big singles at the top. But I think it's still like, you know, this is a record you should hear. And it's a, a record, you know, that's like worth owning and ha- having around, you know? I, I just feel like, you know, I put it on and I'm like, I forgot that this is the best album ever made. You know, like 
by the time you hit like on gangsta gangsta when they're like the the female voices are like we want to fuck you easy and he's like i want to fuck you too i'm like <laughs> this is the best record ever and then i suspect that a lot of people are like me where they are like you know they just kind of like jot it down in their notes like don't forget this is the best album ever and then by like track like seven you're you're you kind of like just turn it off and listen to something else because you're bored but you remember in your head how awesome it was at the beginning i I just feel like that's how it is and so it's like it's like as if you know like i don't know if you guys uh are even into the strokes like i am or whatever but you know the strokes are one of those classic cases where it's like their first album is like a masterpiece and then it's just like you know um the the results are like depleting with each album you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um just doing that formula again and again and i feel like this album is like the entire strokes career but just in one album you know so it's like as it goes on (laughs) it becomes shittier and shittier and like a worse version of itself um and yet like i said paradoxically i just like i think like what it represents and like what it accomplishes with its best songs are so amazing that you know i just gotta i I have to call it a classic yeah i think that's fair okay so on that note i should have been making my pick while talking but that would be a little difficult i got to do some strategy here so i'm going to pick my pick from 1989 and uh after that after we discuss a little bit we'll decide who wins round one let's go with um let's go with the pixies do little here how about Ooh. that oh i thought you would you know uh, I, I thought you'd go against something else that one. Uh, wow okay <laughs> Here's my here's my issue. Okay, so like revisiting, I hadn't listened to it in quite a while, but I was revisiting it this week, and you know, it, it it basically undeniably kind of similar to NWA. It gives me that absolute rush, and yet I feel like of almost all the albums we picked, like time has been least kind to this album. Um, and I don't think that's its fault or anything. It's just that like its its style is currently very out of style. Um, it was obviously hugely influential on 90s alternative rock, grunge in particular, you know. Um, but I think even more than that, it was a massive influence on like indie indie music because it is so like twisted and weird, you know. It just feels like when he gets an idea, like the song is going to completely turn on a dime and go there you know whether whether it made any sense or not you know and it all kind of makes like a a weird like logic like you can tell it makes sense to him you know we're just along for the ride mm-hmm. um you know i think about stuff like um god what was it It was like um dead i think um it's like so crazy and abrasive you know it's like a no wave song it's like a song from the swans record that I, we'll talk about later no spoilers um but <laughs> it and then for like four bars it just transforms to the catchiest most glorious like most beautiful passage and then just switches back to the craziest shit ever um it just feels like he just decided let's do this let's make this like absolutely beautiful and then let's tear it fucking apart the way that like the song tame you can tell he's like playing faster you know it's like he wants the band to play faster as he's screaming his head off during the chorus like that's another very indie thing you know it's like mm-hmm. makes me think of animal collectives uh grass or something like mm-hmm. what should the chorus be i just feel like screaming okay let's do that you know what i mean um so it's got that like freewheeling spirit that i feel like is very very out of style right now and so it just it doesn't hit me like it used to and yet i can't deny that like 
you know, as soon as Debaser starts, you're in there. You know, when Hay starts, you know, it's it's grabbing you. But it still just feels like a little bit of like the old version of rock. You guys feel me at all in this? Yeah, that's kind of exactly how I feel about this record. Like, you know, the Pixies were something I liked a lot, uh, you know, when I was younger. Um, it's something I like basically never put on now. You know, it, it's like a band. Right. If you if you right. asked me, like, do you like the Pixies? I'd say, yeah, of course. But the right. last time I listened to the Pixies, you know, I, I, I could I couldn't even tell you, you know, before, you know, this week. Um Yeah, it's just sort of one of those things that like, I I think I feel about it the way you sort of were talking about like NWA, you know, it's like, it's like a record that's like great, but like, I don't actually really want to listen to it, you know, like I like I didn't. I, I think this record and a, another one that'll come up, I listened to like, uh, you know, sort of the least, um, because I just it just it just was like too you know it felt like being a teenager again you know you know like how we did that yeah. tool episode you know it was like right you know right, like right. i i sort of like found some enjoyment in like the tool things we listened to you know like when we did lateralis like you know like i i, I had fun uh doing it and it was like a nice nostalgia trip but like you know i haven't listened to it again and you know and i probably won't and that's how i feel about this yeah what about you darren <laughs> um I feel a little bit differently, but that's that's kind of because the Pixies have sort of, I felt like have always been a bit of a blunder for me. Not that I like never oh. listened to them, but I never felt like I gave them, you know, a fair shake or really listened to them as obsessively as, as other people have. You know what I mean? I've kind of always obviously understood the Pixies are super important. I've had them on my iPod. I've listened, but, you know, just, you know how it is. Like at various points of your life, if you're not... If you're just not in that right yeah. you know, headspace, maybe the right age or something, it just doesn't... Yeah, yeah we talked about it last happy. episode, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I went into this kind of excited, because I was like, all right, well, I'm you know, going to force myself to listen to these Pixie records, Pixies records, and, you know, honestly, I I kind of, like, immediately love them, and, and, you know, it's... I feel like that's always, like, an identifier of, like, something that is truly great or important, um, is, like when you give it a, an initial listen, if it already kind of like knocks you on your ass. Yeah. You know what I mean, obviously I was familiar with some of the songs, uh, here comes your man, monkey gone to heaven, stuff like that. Right. But like the rest of the, the baser, of course, um, the rest of the record, I was just like, man, this is, this is great. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it just, yeah. it just seemed fresh, but that's just because I didn't listen to it obsessively as a teenager. You know what I mean? So, but I, I do think that that's, you know, that's a good thing about, a record if it can just immediately grab you and maybe now was just the right kind of time for me i don't know but i i enjoyed it yeah that's interesting i mean i yeah maybe it is just a matter of like over listening because i definitely did that with this but mm-hmm. you know it just it feels like the kind of record that almost like a joy division that we were talking about last week where it's like I, I i recognize it as a 10 but it just doesn't like move me as much anymore i mean i really think it's a perfect record absolutely so influential yes um and you have like a great time when you're listening, but it just feels like this brand of, you know, the things that they innovated, like the soft to sudden loud explosiveness yeah. to like crazy yeah. left turns. Um, it's just not like it just got really overdone over the course of not just two, but like three decades, yeah, you know, sure. after them. Um so, so like it's even possible that if, even if you haven't listened to this that much, you might be uh, sick of it, you know, already. Depending on what else you've listened to. Um, so, yeah, okay, maybe it was a mistake to like pick an album that I then shit talked uh, for my <laughs> submission. 
but I, I, I kind of like picked it because I was like, oh yeah, that's a fucking perfect 10. And then it was like, I spent a lot of time with it this week and I was like, my feelings are actually a little different than I thought they would be. Um, that being said though, we got to pick the winner of round one. So just to remind you, we got Prince sign of the times for 1987, NWA straight out of Comda for 19, 1988 and, uh, Pixies do little for 1989. So what do you guys honestly think is the best record of those three? Honestly, sign of the times. <laughs> I, I I also think it's side of the times. What do you think, Darren? I mean, you know, if we're talking about importance, I think that NWA's record is probably the most important of the three. That's my take. I agree with I that, but it's not the I best listening. I think I think you have to consider it at least as part of this discussion. You know that it's. How important? Well, yeah. I mean, Sign of the Times is, is interesting because, like I was saying earlier, I do think it's kind of like the '80s peaking, and you know, pretty soon, like the '90s are going to start taking over already. Um, you know, I think that happens sometimes. There's another record I'm going to talk about that's similar uh, a little later, but it's like sometimes classics come out that just kind of seem to like sum up their their era mm-hmm. or take their era to its logical conclusion, and then it's done. You know, like. Um, you know, not to the same extent, but the same way that like Loveless killed Shoegaze or something like that. You know, it's like so it's not influential sign of the times, but I feel like it just peaked the eighties, yeah, almost, which is which is like an equally, if not more, impressive accomplishment. I agree. <laughs> All right, well, I guess you're overruled, dude. I guess so. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's a two to one. So we're giving the this first feels awfully round familiar today. to uh, guys that we used to play on Metaphor. Yeah, we wow. used to we used to always play games. Um, yeah, and you sure did get cheated a lot. Um, okay, so for the next round, we're we're switching it up so that uh, Dan doesn't have to go first again. Darren, this time round two, you're going in blind. What is the next of your starting four of 1988? All right, well, I am going to switch it up because I actually had a, an original pick for my um, round two, but because of oh. what you did, Gabe, I'm going to go ahead and put forth <laughs> Pixie's Surfer Rosa um, for my okay. pick. Okay, okay. So, All right, why'd you pick it? So again, you know, very similar to uh, what I had just mentioned, like I kind of came into this, you know, knowing the Pixies, being familiar with probably what you would consider their hits or most popular songs, um, but not having really given a fair amount of listening, I, I would feel like, um, to their albums. And so I also went into this thinking, well, this is a very influential band for what later became, you know, grunge, all these other bands that I'm you know, familiar with. And Gabe, you mentioned it, um, indie rock and all this stuff. So I was trying to like approach it from that angle not not get too bogged down and like feeling like this is such familiar territory or whatever i wanted to sort of just listen and i felt like i was sort of just blown away like you know i i think i texted you guys saying i feel like i'm going through like some sort of hall of fame of blunders for myself um (laughs) with some of the albums and and i feel like surfer rosa was definitely one of them um you know it's it's one of those albums where I can feel its influence. Like it's influencing me in a way like it, you know, it's making me want to play some music or whatever. And like, Mm -hmm. I always point to that feeling for certain bands when I, when I just kind of connect to it immediately, you know? Um, and it, this album like bone machine just kind of immediately grabs me and I'm like, I'm just in, you know, I was like biking around, uh, my neighborhood listening to this record and, 
you know, I, I just really loved its, its energy. You know, I could, you know, obviously hear all sorts of influences that they, you know, probably were using, but then also like influencing future bands and everything. But I, I think it, it stands on its own as like an incredible album. You know, obviously you've got like the gigantic, where is my mind um, in the center mm. of, of the record and everything, but that's not even, you know, to me, the best song on the, on the record. I don't know. I just was, re- I, I just really enjoyed it and, you know, feel kind of bad for not having already been obsessed over this, you know, when I was a teenager, well, I guess. Let me ask what, I mean, what was it like, like fully digesting Surferosa and Doolittle like at the same time? And did you kind of prefer one over the other? I mean, I'm going to say Surferosa because it was obviously in my year, but, um, <laughs> and I spent, I spent the most time listening to that. But when I, when I did go over to, um, Doolittle, I was pretty much equally in, impressed with it, you know? Um, I, I guess I didn't necessarily feel like there was, and maybe this is just not because I haven't listened to it enough, but like a massive like leap forward or, you know, it just mm, sounded like more Pixies to me. Um, That's interesting. Because yeah. I was going to say, I wonder how you feel, Dan. Like, I feel like they're very, very different. It's not just like the Steve Albini production, although that's very, very important, I think. But also, I feel like Doolittle doesn't, like, or, or Surfer Rosa doesn't like do these kind of hairpin turns the way that doolittle does you know um yeah it's it's more of like these kind of lumbering explosive tracks that are pretty consistent you know within themselves um do do you have any thoughts on how different these two records are yeah i i I pretty much agree with you you know like the, the songs here are more like you know consistently the same and i and i think because of that i sort of i think i think i sort of prefer surfer rosa to doolittle um it might just be because do little it was overplayed a little bit more you know that's sort of there never mind i i feel like um yeah but yeah yeah i i agree with you do you have a, a feeling um i mean about um i want to ask about the production specifically i mean i feel like do little i never really noticed it makes it so it really makes it quite clean and quite like you know it almost feels like a crossover attempt even though the songs are like a bit weirder um mm-hmm. sort of uh but do you but think it just sounds like because like, because like never mind to in utero like sonically sounds quite different you know i think steve albini like changes you know nirvana's sound somewhat between the yeah. clean glossiness of like never mind weirdly now that you say it i almost feel like the pixies go from in utero to <laughs> yeah. never mind yeah yeah that's, <laughs> um, that's interesting and so basically my whole life i thought that Doolittle was better. And then this week I had the strong feeling that um, Surfer Rosa is the greater album, um, nice. which I was very, very surprised by. Um, yeah. And this is another example. Uh, one thing, one last thing I wanted to mention of like, you know, this really, really feels right. Like the nineties are starting as early yeah. as 1988. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely. Isn't that odd? Do you think that's like always, do you think it's just the case of, cause I couldn't make up my mind of like, it might be that the nineties are so beloved and that basically the canon or whatever rock critics went back and looked for like the seeds of the nineties sound Mm -hmm. because let's face it. The eighties is is a pretty weak decade overall. Um, Definitely some highlights, but went back and looked for these kind of underground type classics that influenced and defined the sound that would dominate in the nineties. And that we therefore have a warped view of the eighties 
because a lot of the things we identify as classics are things that the 90s yeah. later decided were classics. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I, I would almost argue that people, if, if you had asked me early on, I probably would always have said Pixies were like, it's like 1990, right? That's like early 90s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, to, right. to think that this was like two years before that um, is kind of crazy. And also, you know, my trajectory obviously took me to Nirvana first. So I'm familiar with like Bleach and like Bleach doesn't right. sound anything like this, which is yeah, just really exactly. wild, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I think, I think you're right. You know, like I, when you think of like the, the music that was like very popular, like, you know, I'm talking like top 40, you know, radio hits from the eighties and stuff. Like it's a lot of junk. Not, not that there's not junk other decade, you know, don't, nobody at me or anything, you know, it's not some wrong generation <laughs> shit, but you know, it's like a, a lot of, a lot of like the stuff that was huge. Like there's sort of seems like there's a lot of like sort of novelty hits and, uh, you know, just like really like electronic, like music was, was very like new. And I think like the the a lot a lot of it got used in like sort of a novelty kind of way um there's certainly good stuff you know don't don't get me wrong but i think like what you said like then in the post like once once we like we we have like this giant sonic shift in the 90s you know i i I think a lot of people you know think the impetus is like nirvana and stuff and then certainly that is like the the popular impetus for it um and so then yeah everybody goes back and especially like for some reason with nirvana like so much of like that is like what did like what what caused nirvana to do that and so everybody has this like you know there's that list and we've we've mentioned it hundreds of times you know like kurt's favorite albums and stuff you know and you know you'd find things like pixies the meat puppets you know swans sonic sonic youth you know like so much of the stuff like we'll talk about today and like it's it's all sort of like nobody knew that in you know 19 like you had to be pretty fucking cool to like know yeah, that yeah. stuff as any, it was coming out you know nobody like in 1988 would have called sonic youth one of the most inf- you know influential or important bands no, exactly like, be like oh yeah they're like a cool indie band or whatever um but looking back yeah, now okay, it's so, like the most obvious thing exactly right right yeah, right. yeah it, it, it is pretty strange um so let me for my round two pick here from 1989 um actually propose another one that's i think in a similar kind of vein um, I wonder what you guys think. I'm going to go with Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Um, right. Quite often seen as the greatest Beastie Boys album for me. I, I like their um, their next one a little bit more. Check your head. But uh, this is this is still like a just an absolute masterpiece. And what makes it strange is that I guess I, I struggle to talk about this record because I feel like people over-intellectualize it a little bit, right? It gets tied up with the postmodernism that's going to like totally blow up in the nineties, you know, your pulp fiction style, like just mishmash of crazy influences and kind of like this detached irony about, you know, just like there is no high culture. There is no low culture, you know, let's reference this. Let's reference that. That's like build things out of junk. You know, um, it gives you this aesthetic of like a boutique store where there's just a, mixture of trash with like really cool things with really dumb shit you know and like Mm -hmm. just thrown all together it's every you know everything that's here is the entire blueprint for like beck's you know 90s um Mm. it's it's the blueprint for plunder phonics you know like the um avalanches dj shadow assembling things from other things you know and it just kind of all starts here and so that's all like cool and stuff but i feel like people sometimes like think so much about it that they miss how fun this record is Mm -hmm. it just feels like 
everything, you know, it just feels like they went into a boutique store and a, a boutique store made of music, let's say, um, if this analogy will hold. And the thing is just their playground. Like, they're just like, you know, if you went to a, a thrift shop and you were playing like dress up with random shit you found there, you know what I mean? Like, they're doing that with music. And yeah, that, that can be kind of deep and cool, you know, to, to analyze. But at the end of the day, it's just like fun as hell. The way they're just like irreverently dancing on Beatles songs, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, they use little tracks as like punchlines, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. to finish the joke. They just throw them in. Um, it's, it's so brilliant. And then the other thing, of course, to mention is that we'll never get an album like this again, because um, I think there's a little bit of a misconception. The, 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 the idea is that back then sampling wasn't an issue so they just didn't pay for it and nobody cared or something like that and then there was like a big lawsuit that changed that um i think that's a little bit true but i think that they they claim that they did pay for the samples and i think that labels just didn't realize because hip-hop was so young that there would they could charge a lot of money for samples mm-hmm. so that's why they got away with just sampling whatever the fuck they want um so it makes it a very singular thing i wonder what what you guys think about uh this album what do you think dan I I actually I love this record. You know, uh, it, like like you said, it, it's sort of like it, 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 there's two great things about it. Like on, on the surface of it, it's just like a fun as hell record. You know, it, it, it's great because like the samples, like a lot of times, you know, with hip hop and stuff, like you know, there'll be something you recognize here and there, but it's generally because you can't sample the Beatles or Led Zeppelin anymore. Um, <laughs> right. You know, you're not you're not hearing you know like Beatles and Led Zeppelin samples that you like so like not not even recognize, but they're just like you know musically ingrained in you it's like such a strange yes, yes. like thing you know to, to hear like something made from something you know so well you know um so there's like that that that's just a super fun record but then there's also like you know it's a it's a record you can like do a deep dive in you can in- intellectualize you know there's all these like building blocks of plund- plunder phonics i mean even just hip-hop in general like it's it just it's got like best both both of the like the best of both of those worlds, you know, um, it, it, it's just like an all around fun record. This, this is definitely my favorite, um, Beastie Boys album. Um, it, it's one of my favorite records. I think, honestly, I, I, I like really love this record. Yeah. What do you, uh, I mean, I wonder how much like previous familiarity you had with this one, Darren, cause you were kind of texting us like as if you were digging it for the first time or something, but how do you feel about Paul's boutique? Yeah, I had, I have never, never listened to this record. Um, wow. You know, as far as the BC Boys go, for me, for a long time, it was like, you know, that song like Brass Monkey, uh, <laughs> Sabotage, whatever. Like, that's that's all I knew. And I just it was like, I don't have any interest in checking this out any further. Um, and boy, was I like just blown away when I listened to this record and just so how effortlessly they kind of just you know splice and and cut through and you know put together like these just amazing like you know songs and like you you know i just i wasn't even paying attention hardly to like the track names because it just kind of kept keeps going you know just switches from one in one direction to another and you know it you know it was like so fun like hearing certain samples and like oh oh my god was that was that johnny cash like out of nowhere and then like you know stuff you mentioned and then um it's funny because uh there's this podcast um the science podcast that uses the end of the sounds of science um on there mm. so as soon as i heard that i was like oh my god it's like 
I, you know, sampling a podcast. No, not really. I wasn't thinking that. But was, <laughs> holy shit, I recognize this. Wow. It was really weird. But um, but yeah, I mean, I was just I I couldn't believe how much I was actually like digging like all of this. Like I I just wanted to keep on listening, but obviously had to listen to a lot of other stuff. But um, yeah, I have wow. definitely blundered on this one. Well, I am I am very pleased to hear that. And you're right; it's, it's an extremely different experience than listening to like you know, the avalanches. Cause the avalanches are like, what is that? Like, what is that? What is that here? It's like, I, I know this song very well <laughs> yeah. and I can't believe they're doing this. Right. How did they get and, yeah, exactly. this? Was it <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah, yeah, not yeah. checking on this or whatever? I mean, yeah. What How hell? did they get away with it? You know, because that's the feeling you have the whole record because they're like twisting it into, into the beastie boys shape, but you always are aware of what it is. And then you can't believe that like, you know, whatever, um, pink Floyd signed off on a song where, you know, he says, I, I was making records since you were sucking your mother's dick. You know, like, how did they get away with this? Um, yeah, it's an absolute joy, joy, this album. Um, okay, so Dan, what is your uh, round two pick from 1987? Yeah, for round two, I'm going to go with Strange Ways Here We Come uh, from the Smiths, the, okay. the final Smiths records. And I think I should get a little bit of a bonus because not only is this from the year I was born, it's also from the month I was born. Uh, oh, just, like, okay. just like two hey. weeks later. So. I thought you were going to say the day. I feel like it's not that impressive, but okay. Yeah. Well, I wasn't born on a Friday, I guess. So. Or, or uh, I guess records used to come out on Tuesday. Um, yeah. Well, this one, you know, the, the Smiths, th- this is like the second tier classic, but not not in a bad way. You know, like everybody, you know, Qu- Queen is Dead and Meet is Murder, it gets all the attention. But people, I think a lot of people are missing, you know, Strange Ways, Here We Come. It's just like an absolute straight classic banger after banger if if those two records like didn't exist the smiths would still be just as great uh based on this record and the first record uh alone you know like you you've got just the the greatest songs here you know the, you got one hit single stop me if you think you've heard this one before but then also you know everything else is yeah. sort of like a uh you know like a a, a a a a minor hit or something you wouldn't think of, you know, when you when you go straight to, you know, on a Smiths playlist or something, you'd be cool if you right. threw in, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> death of a disco sure. dancer, rushing a push in the land is ours, you know, like the, these are like the ones, like you know, especially with the Smiths, you're gonna look like a little bit of a pleb if you're like too into the Smiths, you know, like it's sort of like the you know baby's first indie kind of thing, but if you go with uh, Strange Ways, you look a little cooler. <laughs> The, you know, it's a good point. It, it's it's a it's a weird record because it's it's pretty perfect. Like it's hard to kind of complain about anything here. It feels at the same time like lesser than their like bona fide classics, and yet it's like still good enough that you can claim it's your favorite and not look like an idiot hipster. You know, yeah, it's exactly. Just saying that to be different. You know what I mean? Um, in fact, I think like Morrissey and Johnny Marr said it's their favorite Smith's album. So, you know, the thing that I like to think about is it gives it that kind of mystique of like, like almost every great band has this where it's like they got the obvious classics and then they always have like a classic that the in the know people. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's their album. Um, 
And the Smiths did that beautifully. I, th- I honestly feel like Prince did that as well. Like, Sign of the Times is that. You know what I mean? Like, everybody I, loves... Honestly, all of my picks. 1987 is the year of <laughs> yeah, that. That's true. Like, all, all four They're of my really, picks really... are. I was thinking that the whole, the whole week. very, very accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think about this, this record, Darren? I mean, I've always liked it, you know? Uh, when I really got into the Smiths, you know, I obviously was, was way into, like, The Queen is Dead and everything. But, um, you know, I never really had a problem with this. Uh, record. It's kind of interesting. Like I guess when I when I think about it, when I, when I was listening to it this week, um, you know, it it has like it has some highs, but it's not like it peaks like all the way up to a mountain and then comes down. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it just stays pretty consistent and it's just good mm-hmm. all the way throughout. Like I'm I'm not you know uh, I I. I it's so hard to describe, but like without making it sound like it's just average, that's not what I'm trying to imply, but it just feels like it just kind of maintains no, I know what you mean. kind of a level, a certain level without too many dips or too many like extreme highs, I guess. Yeah, I get you. Like it doesn't have like a song that's like, this is clearly the greatest Smith songs of all time, you know, or this is the worst Smith song of all time. It's just all sort of like, these are great Smith songs. You know, it, it's like a plateau, but a, a high plateau. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like while you're while you're listening, you, you you can feel like, damn, this is the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Like it gives you that like like just like I don't know, just almost any song. Obviously, like stop me if you think you've heard this one before, Girlfriend in a Coma, the big hits, but Oh yeah. I don't know, even when I'm when I'm listening to like Death of a Disco Dancer or something, I'm just like, this is so great. Like this is like, you know, it's the kind of thing where I'm like I, I never think of it as one of my favorite Smith songs, but it definitely is. Mm-hmm. But then like each song kind of gives me that same feeling. Um Unhappy Birthday, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't share you as like maybe their yes. best closing song I think on their whole in their whole career. Um it's just a uh yeah, it's like a I, mean, I like records like that. It's kind of know? like a it's like a victory lap if you look at it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like the exactly. career, way to you know put it. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That is a that's a great way to put it. Um Okay, let's let's uh let, let's have the talk then. So we've got Dan submitted the Smith Strange Ways here we come. Darren submitted Pixies Surfer Rosa and I submitted Beastie Boys uh Paul's Boutique. So which is the best objectively of God. these? God. As as much as I want <laughs> it to just keep picking myself, I I I am going to give it to Paul's Boutique, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Paul's Boutique, I mean, the way it just kind of blew me away. Um, I think that would be my pick. Wow, God, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick myself too. Uh, <laughs> it's already decided. So, Darren, are you thinking about getting on the board or, or anything? Like that? I hate <laughs> you guys, God, I never. I, I'm pretty sure I vowed to never play games with you guys on the podcast. But damn it, okay. All right, let's you know. So I, I, I'm gonna for round three. I'm I'm the one who has to go first, and I'm just gonna. I'm just going to go go big time here. Uh, bring out the big guns. Why not? <laughs> the Cure Disintegration. Okay? Uh, okay. Uh, that's going to be my pick. It's, you know, it feels like I don't even have to explain why it's a great album. But, you know, I had some sort of new thoughts this week. Um, it's interesting because, I don't know, doesn't it feel like a late career classic or something? Do you guys have that feeling? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Cause it feels like they like did their whole career and then they dropped this like just as a bonus. Like, by the way, here's like an- another, you know, here's like our best album as we're on our way out or something. Yeah, that's true. Um, looking have- at their discography now. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. 
it's like they didn't need this to be like one of the best bands ever but they decided to just drop it and yet you know if you i, I just didn't even like really appreciate that they're, they're you know he's like 30 years old he's turning 30 while he's making this album so they're pretty like you know they're still just a young active band it just feels so much like this band that had transcended or something that had like done everything they needed to do. And then they decided to sum it all up into one perfect package. And yet it's just interesting to remember that they were just kind of like a working band, just putting out their new, their next album, you know? Um, and on that note, I do think it's really fascinating because if you kind of like go through the track list here, you get these like very, it almost moves in stages. Like you get these very like beautiful elegaic, kind of songs at the beginning with like plain song and pictures of you um which is like a certain aspect of the cure we move into like a little a little section of like the pure pop magic of the cure with like stuff like love song lullaby fascination street right all the singles then we kind of move into like the dark cure like the pornography era Mm -hmm. cure with like prayers for rain and same deep water and stuff um and yet it like all hangs together perfect it just feels like this just like maybe the greatest kiss off in in you know music history where it was just like let's do everything we've already done just do it better and then i know it's not fair to say like let's take off because they definitely didn't but to me i'd never have listened to anything after this (laughs) because i just feel like they're so poorly reviewed um but it just feels like let's just do everything we've ever been trying to do and just exceed every expectation um yeah, what I mean, what are your guys' feelings about disintegration? I don't think we've really talked about it before. I, yeah, I don't know if we've even done a Cure record before, but I um I I, I love this record. I love the Cure. Um, it, it really would be if if they had just called it quits after this record, like man, yeah. it would have been just like I mean they're already a legendary band, but it would just be like nuts you know um in fact because you picked this record i didn't pick in my year kiss me kiss me kiss me was released which i love yeah but it just has no shot against disintegration and (laughs) you know so i just i I say i'll just listen to a different record you know um so yeah i mean i I absolutely love this record I, i i think what you said about it being sort of like a trip through the like uh, discography yeah. of the cure is, is is so great you know like th- th- that's just you know I, I can't think of like many bands that have have done something like that and that's why it, it would have just been such a, a perfect kiss off record because because you're right i i have listened to all these record you know they've only released five records after this uh which is kind of weird um and i've listened to them and none of them are worth listening to <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, what is your relationship with disintegration no. um well <clears throat> you know we've We've discussed, you know, off the show, potential blunders to to talk about, (laughs) and this has come up, and I, you know, kind of in preparation, even though we haven't done a show on it, I have listened to this album, um, I feel like, several times, and came back to it and listened to it again, Um, and I I just, it's not, it's just not clicking, I I don't know, like, I I just kind of get... I don't want to say bored, but I'm just like, I, I just feel like it's just so, so overdramatic. Um, you mm. know, like maybe I just missed the boat on this, you know? Um, see, so yeah, cause I, I didn't really get into it in my youth either. For some reason I, it wouldn't click with me back then. Um, I did like adore their, you know, like a uh, pornography and some of those like faith and stuff like that when I was that age, but this is a little bit later. Um, so I, 
I don't know if it has to be one of those cases. I, I, it is kind of tough because every song seems to have like a two minute intro or something. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's, you know, one thing I realized this week is I know this is controversial, but I, I would delete the like quote unquote bonus songs. Um, on the initial pressing of this album, the song Last Dance and the song Homesick were not there. Um, and I think that's because it was a vinyl pressing and there simply wasn't room. And then for the CD, those songs are slotted right in the middle. They are listed as bonus tracks on the CD, but they have been pressed with you know every pressing ever since. Um, and yet I feel like they're quite disruptive. It's like too much of a good thing almost. And I think it's actually criminal that Disintegration is basically the greatest closing song ever. Um, and then we get this nice little like strangely uplifting coda with untitled and it makes no goddamn sense to put homesick in the middle of that perfect transition um really kills it so if it feels a little overwhelming like i suspect is the case for you darren i would suggest deleting those two songs (laughs) listening to this like kind of perfect 10 track album and and i think you really get like lost in it because it feels like a little much i agree but the way it just kind of moves you through you know, because you get this like nice pop section, like I mentioned, and then you kind of just find yourself like in very dark territory, um, and then it ends sort of bright. I mean, it's just like it just feels like a full trip. Um, do you have any thoughts about kind of like the overwhelming length and overwhelming style of it, Dan? Yeah, I mean, it is long, and 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 like you said, there are like so many of these like kind of uh, unnecessarily huge intros <laughs> and and everything. But I think it I think it kind of adds to like the atmosphere of the record and just like the you know the cohesiveness and just like the the absolute like uh, you know just like girth of the of the album. You know, like like this, I, <laughs> I feel like it just the like absolute girth. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the best. <laughs> The absolute girth. <laughs> God. But I just I just feel like this record is just like this is the cure like distilled down. You know, like this this is like what you think of. It's got the moodiness, it's got the like pure pop I mean like love song is just like I mean, even just titling it love song, it's just like the most like yeah. pure like pop song uh, like ever. And, you know, like that, that is like, you know, the cure, like, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, just think of like the moodiness and the like, you know, oh, it's, you know, the depressed teenager kind of thing. But like, you know, the cure is like so much more than that. And I think here you're getting, you're getting like all sides of it in like this large package, you know, like, because, um, you know, some of those, uh, some of those, the middle records, um, uh like uh i can't think of the faith like faith has a lot of and um you know sort of like soundscapes and, and, and stuff in it and i think like you're, you're sort of getting that here a little bit with like um uh with those like intros and, and everything like it, it's it's giving you a little taste of, of yeah. back then yeah I, I just feel like it's weird because it is a sampler it's like a perfect sampler perfect introduction to the band um and yet it, it it's just it's very very cohesive i, I think it's so weird because for almost my entire life um and maybe i still kind of feel this way i just think of like the cure as a singles band like just their singles are unmatched um and the albums don't always hang together as much as i love them Ooh, i disagree but in my opinion i know some like yeah some cure heads would disagree with me here but in my opinion they only twice went into full album mode and both times it resulted in perfection which is pornography and disintegration like they're they're meant to just be a piece and um i I don't even think it's a shame because so many of their singles are so great but it's like 
this is like i just love album cure and disintegration is like peak album cure um okay so that was my round three pick um who's next i lost that'll be me yeah what is your round three my round three uh another one of these you know second tier patrician classics uh sonic youth sister from 1987 okay you know this one everybody thinks daydream nation you know oh you know daydream nation daydream Nation. and uh you know maybe somebody's gonna pick that one here coming up soon who knows but uh <laughs> he's laying the ground a, you know better year but whatever you know yeah well whatever but you know what you know what like same way with the smiths you don't want to be the guy who says daydream nation's your favorite sonic youth record i mean maybe mm, you, no. i, I wouldn't point. say the sister's my favorite if i'm being honest i'm a bad moon rising kind of guy but you know like wow. what we're getting here with sister is you know you're getting like a bridge between this this like old new no wave um you know sonic youth bad moon rising evil confusionist sex like this real you know like hard you know no wavy really like just noisy you know band and then you're bridging into this like sort of noise pop kind of thing that they become like with daydream nation and and onward you know goo dirty those kind of things sister is like you're getting the best of both worlds once again right here uh that you know that's that's the 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 anthem of the 1987 the best of both worlds you're getting (laughs) it all here with sister you you know you've got like just some you've got you've got some of their greatest songs i think cotton crown is like a great one of those sort of like noise pop like sort of songs we'll get later on in the career yeah, yeah. but then you're also getting like a crime cover hotwire my heart right before that uh which is just like this like <laughs> noisy like you know who the fuck's cry you know it's like some uh punk band that no one's heard of uh, from the early 80s or uh, 70s and uh you know like it, it's just like the the perfect like sampler of sonic youth like sort of how disintegration is a, is a great sampler for the cure i think i think sister is a great you know intro into sonic youth and uh you know a little bit of a sample of the early and the new obviously you start with daydream nation but i think if you if you like that you want to go somewhere else i think sister is a perfect place to start yeah it's got it's got a really nice like yin and yang thing going on like you said because it's almost actually even dreamier than Daydream Nation somehow, you know, despite the title, like stuff like Cotton Crown or like Schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. I think they're just so like, you know, there's just this like really warm, like analog guitar vibe to it. Like just these amps, like they're so warm and like, and yet it can really freak out like in a almost no wave way sometimes. Um, it, it, it's, and it's, it's just so contained, you know, it's not, it's not the sprawl uh no pun intended of of daydreamation (laughs) it's like really really focused and yet the two extremes of sonic youth done perfectly i wonder what you think about this record darren yeah this one i was not as familiar with um compared to like daydream nation and then oddly i think i disclosed this to you guys a long time ago that like goo was really the first (laughs) sonic youth uh (laughs) i listened to very strange but um so so really like actually listening to sister it was kind of always something that i had on my list to 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 eventually get to um i don't know i i i didn't i i wasn't too uh crazy about it you know i I feel like you described it as like a yin and yang um i think whatever is like the opposite of like daydream nation that's going on on this record like it just seems a little bit more dirtier messier um yeah a little more chaotic a little more punkish than even like daydream nation um i w- i just wasn't really digging it 
as far as like what I think of and love about Sonic Youth. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel like it, it, the give and take is so is so essential. You know, I feel like the like Pacific Coast Highway is like the perfect uh, song to like just kind of sum up what this album is all about, which is like these absolutely like abrasive, just insane Kim Gordon like verse parts, mm-hmm. and then this like absolutely gorgeous like it's almost like a broken social scene kind of jam like where it's just like this cool cruising down the pacific coast highway vibe but like really dreamy and sweet sweet 80s shit and it's just like the way it just you know oscillates wildly between those two things um i think it's something to behold and i actually i'm gonna i'm gonna have to like hold off on deciding if i like this more than daydream nation like i'm gonna make like a, a last minute decision assuming that album comes up. I'm not trying to spoil <laughs> once again. Um, so that being said, Darren, what is your pick for round three here? All right. So my pick for round three is my bloody Valentine's isn't anything. Oh wow, you're doing it, huh? Mm. I was teeing you up. I thought you would. I thought you would go a different direction there. But all right, saving it. Yep, I'm gonna save it. Uh, <laughs> strategic, maybe you know, desperate to Smart, get a point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. So you know, with this isn't anything. I you know picked this largely because you know I love my bloody Valentine. Um. Even though this record, you know, I am less in love with obviously than than Loveless. Um. But I, I do think that it's like importance and actually, you know, it's it's still a great album. It's to me, it's pretty different than like Loveless. Um, yeah, I think it's forward looking. You know, I think you can you can obviously hear the seeds of Loveless here. But, you know, it, it's a different take of uh, My Bloody Valentine. Like, you know, you almost imagine like they could have had they like stuck to this sort of um, direction of being much more of like a rock and roll almost type of band you know and and less of like the shoegazy like soundscape and kind of just blowing your eardrums away um they could have you know they could have ended up being a very different band does that i don't think i've ever heard your take on isn't anything but i know you love it gabe yeah so there have been times in my life where i preferred it to loveless and i'm here to announce that I'm deciding once and for all, it is actually better than Love. Wow. It's a better album. Um, I really what a hot take. after this week. I, yeah, it's not even a hot very. take. I swear to God, it's just absolutely true. Um, and the reason is, you know, we just did an episode on Loveless. Yeah. And I complained a little bit about the formulaic nature of it. Oh, yeah. The song. Every song is. I forgot about that. Well, every song is more or less the same where it's like this really, you know, really like just mind-bogglingly catchy hook chorus type thing which is usually like a synth line playing something or whatever then like a very dreamy catchy verse and then it kind of blows up for that chorus you know and we just do that like three times and then it's over um there is no formula to isn't anything at all like every song is the weirdest strangest twisted little thing yeah the arrangements they follow no formula whatsoever like Sometimes it's very minimal, very empty, like the way that things just like, I don't know, on like um, No More Sorry or something like it's just a huge wall of like glittering sound. But then for the quote unquote hook, it just drops into nothing, you know, 
it's just like falls apart completely this huge wall that's been built up and then it just starts shimmering again like you know feed me with your kiss is an absolute like crazy punk rock song pretty much whereas like i don't know soft as snow but warm inside has like the weird weirdest like glitchiest it's almost kind of similar to the vibe on of some songs on sign of the times like weird glitchy electronic drum loop that sounds alien and strange like you know what i'm saying dan like this is a weird album and i really really appreciate that yeah i mean i i I love it you know this is a great record um it it is pretty different from like loveless and and everything you know um but i i think it's i you know obviously i think loveless is probably the better record and you know just just from sheer like magnitude of like how uh you know important it is and everything but but this is definitely like like this should have been an 87 record you know it's 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 like the the underrated sort of second tier classic uh kind of thing yeah um the deep cut that you can always return to because you'll never over listen to it because you'll always over listen to the yeah exactly exactly and if you want to try to be you know contrarian like gabe and you can say this one's better (laughs) i'm really i'm not trying to be contrarian at all i I swear to god go revisit the two right now you've been smack talking loveless you did it for a whole episode and now you're doing it again like yeah i I think it's this pleb hates loveless (laughs) it's like people just i just don't i think people they're they're such like different records that people don't often do what we did which is like over the in the last like month or whatever i spent like a lot of time with both separately completely Mm -hmm. separately and uh, I can see it now. I can see it, but I just can't feel it. Okay. Um, so let's, that's, I actually, I really don't know what the, what the hell I'm going to decide on this. On this yeah. This round. is, this is the hardest um, round, I think. Yeah. Uh, but we, we have to make a decision on who wins round three. Is any, has anybody made up their mind? It, it, I think I mean, I'm going to go, go with my pick. Oh, Darren, just every time. You can't do every it just time. because. You got to do it honestly. <laughs> what do you mean? I know you want a point really No, bad, I'm not desperately ch- trying to get a point. Like I I truly believe isn't anything is the best record here. Oh, what do you think, Dan? I, I mean, it's tough. I, I mean, I, honestly, I'll, I'll put Sister out of the running. I, 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 I think, I, I mean, it, it can't stand up to disintegration. And it really can't say enough to isn't anything, you know, it, it just, between those two records, it, it, it's so tough, but I, I mean, just the cure is, is, is one of my favorites, I think. And it'll be really funny when wow. Darren doesn't get the point. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. About that, that. That's but, a factor that's being, nah, it really isn't. I, I, I swear, I, you know, I, I just, I, I really, really love the cure and disintegration is just, just difficult to beat no, no matter what it's against. Okay, well, I, I, you know, I am, I'm going to walk you through my thought process here, which is that (laughs) I think I might prefer Sister out of all three of these albums, just if you ask me to pick one to listen to, but I need to maintain sort of an internal consistency after I just claimed that isn't anything is better than Loveless, (laughs) (laughs) and Sister is not better than Loveless, so isn't anything must be better than Sister. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mathematically, it has to be. Okay. So I'm going with isn't anything. Darren gets his first point. All, all right. right. So we're all tied. It all comes down to this last yeah. round. We are tied. It Excellent. does come down to this. Excellent. Interesting. Damn. I think I know it's going to be a real win. problem when we all vote for our own. Okay. So this one, the order doesn't really matter. So don't complain, Dan. We all only have one yeah. pick left. But Dan, what is your pick? Yeah, my pick. 
another one of these little second tier classics i'm going swans children of god um you know this okay. this is a record sort of my, my my description that i was thinking of sort of depends a little bit on the record that gabe's gonna pick um i won't give it away yet but I, i'll still i'll still give you my, my thought process you want a goth record you want to be like super goth but you want to be cool about it you go swans you don't go the record gabe's gonna tell you here in a second you'll you'll be a loser you go this record but but again here we've got we've got sort of like we're at a crossroads with swans you you know right before this we've gotten four of these like just punishing no wave records and then now they you know they 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 turn a corner on you we've got like ballads here jarbo has has arrived maybe not for the better you know we've 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 got uh we've we've got like what will become with swans you know like this this is the bridge into like their um you know they're sort of like goth folky kind of thing that like i think really um foreshadows angels of light which then comes back and 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 reintroduces us to like the the new swans that everybody you know like really 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 came to love so much Uh, but you know this is this i think is the seed of like the swans that really like that takes the band from just being like this cool no wave you know like uh underground kind of you know hip thing to to find to to being like one of these indie like you know just juggernauts that that is like such a such a fantastic band you know overall and like here we're getting the real like first seeds of that um I mean, you, you've got some, some 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 tracks here. New Mind, so great. You know, Sex God Sex. It, that's just the most like Swans kind of thing. You know, you're still getting some of these no wavy sounds in the midst of you know what will come. Yeah. So I think this was a this was a, a risky pick because it was. Um, I think you knew that neither myself or Darren had ever listened to it before, um, and you know. So let me say the positive first, which is that. I kind of expected because I just haven't really dabbled that much in early swans, even though like I've checked out filth and stuff like that. Um, And I was just expecting like either no wave swans or like goth folk swans. And I was delightfully surprised to hear like a perfect mixture of those two styles Mm -hmm. Um, and a really effortless mixture. I think like the transition from new mind to in my garden is like shocking you know mm-hmm. the way that it's like so abrasive and then like very smoothly somehow just turns into like this strange folk song and sometimes the the you know i was surprised by the arrangements are are quite creative for what is a pretty minimal palette you know it's like sometimes it's just like an acoustic guitar and an organ and yet it is like very atmospheric like a lot more atmosphere than they have any business you know creating with just those two things um Mm -hmm. you know so but 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 here's my thing you kind of alluded to it is that uh, like a lot of people right like most people i came to swans late you know in their sort of late renaissance right and i feel very much like this album is like you said the seeds that are going to one day blossom into that full, fully fledged sound, like just them somehow at the end of their career, like kind of like, like we were saying that the cure is, even though they, they aren't like this at all because they continue for like another 30 years, but (laughs) with disintegration, you know, just like blooming somehow at the end. And yet like 90% of people did not follow this progression. Mm -hmm. So how do you hear the perfection first 
and then go back and appreciate the seeds. You know what I mean? It's like so underwhelming when it's just every song is just like five minutes of like, like it doesn't change that much. It doesn't, you know, I guess I can understand, but I just feel like, yeah, I feel like, why don't I listen to this later stuff? And I I actually don't know how to get over it in this case. I I, I can understand it, but I I think with me, like, I mean, I I came to Swans later too. You know, I, I I think, uh, yeah, the, the seer was the first record I heard. And then like, I instantly like loved it, got real into soundtracks for the blind. And then, I mean, fell in love with the band you know as as new records came out i went back i know every swans record like very well uh and stuff you know like it just became like one of those bands that i became like uh you know obsessed with and and when when i do that with bands i i like finding the the little you know i like working backwards finding those seeds that'll become you know because i mean i i I love angels of light even you know so it's like it's cool to, to hear like the little beginnings of of that you know to me i i think like in a you know, I, I've talked about it. I, I love like when I get into a band, I love like reading books about them and like just, fi- you know, I love like knowing too much about it, you know, like weirdly. Um, and so like, the, uh, I think that's why, and maybe that that's, it wasn't the greatest pick because of that, you know, like not everybody <laughs> works that way. Um, but I, I think it's fine. I you know like if you're someone who like loves music, and wants to dive into things, you know, early swans is, is a hundred percent worth it. Well, this I'm looking forward to because Darren was like so upset by this record. He was compelled to text me like private. Oh, you know, I didn't know this. I have not heard this. Oh shit! We, I we did normally not know like that talk. <laughs> we talk like in a group text, you know, all the time. But uh, he, he had to like side text oh, I me. Did. This is the first time hearing me. of this. <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts on this? Oh record? God! Um, geez, I'm over here thinking like, how can I just? <laughs> look okay this was a challenge it was a challenging listen um i think swans is a challenging band at least for me it's just you know every every time i've ever tried to listen to them it just feels so punishing you know like i'm just getting like these super long songs and his voice is just so like raw and you know and, and i'm not i'm not making fun of it at all it's just it's just a lot to like try to you know tackle i feel like um especially like this being like a very long record um but i do think that so jarpo jarpo's the woman right that's Correct. the woman voice that is singing yeah. and i know you said that you may not like her i guess dan but like i liked her like i <laughs> i was like feeling relieved when she would like appear on the <laughs> um because I, I just feel like it, it kind of broke things up in a in a nice way you know um i would even like argue that like similar to the way like some of the best like Beatles records work is largely because you know a great John song is then sort of like broken up right. by a great Paul song you know what I mean and it, it mm-hmm. kind of changes direction and like you sort of mentioned Gabe the transitions are like you know kind of shocking um yeah that's you know I I sort of appreciated that and I guess being like a very new listener to this like it's to me it feels like it's easier knowing that like there is you know, there are like songs that sort of like break up this like punishing, overwhelming sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. But having said that, did you, you know, <laughs> where, where are you at on the scale of like hated this and or loved it? I mean, I I, I didn't really like it. Um, I didn't really like it that much. I I, I didn't like or disliked. <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> I know he's just trying to be like nice, so I don't 
uh, <laughs> not pick his record. Uh, but <laughs> right, trust right, me, trust me, I know what Gabe's record is. You're in no risk of Gabe beating you. <laughs> okay, well, let, 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 let's do that then. I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead here and do mine since the order doesn't matter now anyway. But uh, I went with Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine. And let me explain why. Because um, <laughs> he has to. I was going to <laughs> I was gonna go with Nirvana's Bleach, you know, for 1989. Should have. Um but yeah, because I, you know, I could have pandered in that way because I knew you both would love it and it would be some easy points, but I wanted the challenge first off. Second off, we talked about Nirvana a lot on a previous episode. We ranked like our favorite Nirvana songs. So we talked some bleach. Um, third, I just have to like, I've done this a couple times in our podcasting life where I, I look for opportunities to sneak in nine inch nails discussions to like, just force <laughs> you guys to listen to them. And this, this was a perfect opportunity. Now with pretty Hey machine, you know, I I, I kind of loved this record um, a lot when I was young. Uh, but even then, I thought it was pretty corny. <laughs> you know, like I never didn't think that the lyrics were very corny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gray would be the color if I had a heart. Oh you know, it's just like, that's where we are, right? But the truth of this is, w- like what we're listening to here is like a great Depeche Mode record masked as like a scary industrial album. It's actually just such catchy synth pop and such creative use of kind of like early electronic production. You know, I think about stuff like Head Like a Hole. Like, how can you not love that song? When the chorus comes in, first off, it's just like anthemic and incredible. But second off, the way that there's just like rushing, crazy, distorted noise, like filling the space, you know, and his voice is like getting distorted and like getting lost in the... You know, it's like the, the instrumental is screaming at the same time. Um, it's like really inventive. And, you know, we, we everybody would admit, right, that like based on his like soundtrack work and stuff, Trent Reznor, um, he's like a really interesting sonic architect. And I think you can hear a lot of it here. Um, and that's cool. But at the end of the day, it's like extremely catchy synth pop songs. Um you know, masked with, with like angst, but they're just so catchy. I mean, how how did you feel about this, Darren? Well, I, you know, came into this kind of feeling like I think the way gate or Dan still feels, um, you know, not (laughs) excited at all, uh, to listen to what, you know, I've always perceived to be an extremely Gothic, um, cringy type of record. But, um, you know, I, I, I did share with you guys as I was listening that, uh, you know, maybe I would be, had my mind changed i i did like the first you know four tracks or so of the record and then i landed on like something i can never have and i just felt like it just came to such a sudden halt and there was such a focus then on trent reznor's you know lyrics and i just wasn't you know i feel like you've got to be in a certain headspace for a record like this um I really think it's difficult to to feel like it's super relatable and why do why does it matter if the lyrics are relatable or not? I think it matters when you know like in a song like something I can never have it feels like it's just him and things have sort of minimized now it does like pick up um you know maybe halfway uh. through the song but to me it just I don't know it kind of like reminded me again of like why I'd, i've never really been a big like nine inch nails fan um what, what did you think dan 
Yeah, I mean, just as soon as you turn this on, you know, it starts with Head Like a Hole, which, of course, is a single, and you know it. I just was like, oh, no, (laughs) no, it's just like, oh, God, I've got to listen to this. I I debated putting my, like, Spotify on, like, the uh, incognito mode, so nobody would notice. Oh, Uh, my God. It just, it, it just, the whole time, I'm just like... Why? Why am I being forced to listen to this garbage? I can't believe just this. the 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 lyric. Anytime, like I accidentally would hear something he would say, I would just be like, "Oh my god!" Uh, accidentally like, hear something. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> it's just like oh, it just like like what you when you said that thing about like the gray, like oh, it just like it, it's just like the 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 most annoying kid you were friends with in in middle school or high school or something. Like it just like reminds you of that. It's just like something so that should be left in the past and i i mean i know that people like nine inch nails uh, they've been in twin peaks i i appreciate that i guess um yeah. it it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, i i just it's so like cringy okay. i can't i can't get past any of it so i so first off i would suggest i would suggest ignoring the lyrics and yet they're very funny um I take a lot of pleasure in the lyrics because they're so hilariously bad. Um, so I would recommend listening, like, ironically. Yeah, but, same but way. that's the thing. You don't hey, need to. listen. Your favorite record, Sonic Youth Sister, okay? This song, Hotwire My Heart, is stupid, all right? They didn't lyrically, write that song. dumb as hell. It's a cover. But... But it's, like, funny in an ironic way, you know? Like, just the idea of them, like, completely shredding and destroying this song. It's like, hot wire my heart. You know, it's like sounds like a Kiss song or something. It's like, it's funny. It's cool. Yeah. Okay? Just listen to this the same way. Be like, gray would be the color if I had a heart. You know, that's, that's funny, you know? That's, I'm, I'm listening ironically. You know, sonically, this is, like, an amazing experience. But lyrically it's really funny that's how that's how i feel and i just feel but like that's not the like, intent behind the record you know, you know like sonic Youth. i know it's not but i just don't even care yeah I, when it comes in with like head like a hoe black as your soul i'm like <laughs> it's really funny but i'm like fuck yeah and I so you're know. saying I mean, like like this is like record. one of those like like a bad movie that you watch like like the room or or something you know plan nine like it has yes yes that's a good that's a good a good example it has that element plus extremely well-crafted synth pop songs that are like production wise are incredible uh are just so memorable, so catchy, so anthemic, um, plus The Room. Isn't that a nice combo? Wouldn't you want to listen to a record like that? <laughs> no, not really. I would just, I mean, I mean <laughs> cause you can already, I mean, there's like Smith songs that have, you know, like I think of like, uh, right. Black is the, you know, I like, um, there's things like that, but like, I think like Morrissey was like joking, you know, like he's being ironic. Yeah, he's in on the joke. Like like the the guy from the room, uh, whatever that Tommy was so or whatever. Like he's not in on the joke. Like he is the joke. I know, but you like, but when you watch a ba- a bad movie, you know, you're like, man, I really hope they aren't in on it because then it wouldn't be funny anymore. You know what I mean? It's nice. Yeah, I guess that that is that is true. It, it, that I will give it's you that. Nice. Like like w- those movies like that like scary movie or so. You know, like when they're trying to make yeah, a bad movie, yeah. th- that not, sucks. Not, yeah, not I, I will give you that. But I don't know if that translates well into music. Okay, I'm devoting too much time to like the lyrics and stuff. Let me just emphasize one more time that it's just musically. This is 
a fucking awesome but, record. But like you said, it's I, like it's like Depeche Mode. <laughs> Just listen to Depeche Mode; they're a million times better. But it's like um, it's like it, it would be the second best Depeche Mode record if it was a Depeche Mode record. So, <laughs> so there you go. I mean, how, how can you disagree with that? Um, I, I, right, I do want to say. Well, I want to. I, I do want to say, like sonically, like musically, I think Nine Inch Nails like really owns owns it on this record. Like I, I that's what I was like immediately drawn to. Um, like I mentioned at the at the top of the record, yeah, you know, with the first four songs and everything, and even the rest of the record, I think, you know, it's a very like when I hear it, it's like, man, this is Nine Inch Nails. Like I can I can really hear that sound, and even like Trent Reznor's singing voice with it, um, kind of evokes this imagery, you know, that I've always associated with Nine Inch Nails, which I, I think that's you know that's that's worthy of compliment you know like that's that's something that's that's worth talking about for sure yeah and and let me just add real quick that you know in thinking about like we have been a lot like which of these albums are truly 80s and which of these albums are like proto 90s this Mm -hmm. is kind of both Mm -hmm. because you know obviously nine inch nails is going to be a huge presence in the 90s but they're going to kind of like abandon this sound a lot you know in a lot of ways um and yet one thing i think is really interesting is that the 90s the early 90s in particular a lot of it was about like repackaging old stuff in a new way that was like cool. So if you think about Nirvana, it's kind of just like Beatles, but made angry and depressed sort of, you know what I mean? And then this is like just Depeche mode, but like made very angsty and like, it's going to piss your parents off. You know what I mean? Like if they, if you were listening to Depeche mode, they'd be like, Hey, nice song, you know, but you're listening to this, you're getting the same pleasure, but you're pissing your parents off. That's peak nineties right there. Like that is, that defines the early nineties. Like how to listen to the same shit my parents like, cause it's great while pissing them off. Chef's kiss to nine inch nails. There. Tell us your, your, your pick for uh, our last round here. Excellent. Uh, okay. Yep. So we kind of already talked a little bit or alluded to it. My pick is Sonic Youth's Daydream Nation. Okay. I mean, we actually, we did an episode on this record for this show, right? For Pop Shield. Um, mm, or was it Metaphor? I, I know we talked about this. We've record, talked about it. But I can't remember now. <laughs> at the time when we had talked about it, I had admitted that it was kind of a blunder. Like I, that I had... I have always listened to Sonic Youth, but again, another record that I just felt like I had never gotten obsessed over the way other people had. And at the time when we did, you know, the listening and talking about the record, I was like probably just going crazy about how much I loved it. And returning to it again here, I was just immediately reminded of like, you know, why this is such a great record, um, how inspiring it is, like how you know, you just want to like pick up the guitar and play in a band and try to, you know, cover Teenage Riot um, because it's just such a fun song. And, you know, the energy between Thurston and Kim and throughout the entire record, I just feel like it's just such a perfect, you know, record, you know, and I hardly even like listen to this thinking like Nirvana is coming after this or Nirvana will, you know, do any yeah, of this better. Like, I don't true. think of mm-hmm. it that way. I, I really feel like it's singular. Youth, and they eventually, I think, I, I think they kind of pretty much have earned their own spot and not just like, Oh, they're like the forefathers of Nirvana. That's not really, that's not a fair yeah, that's you know, a good way point. to assess them. That's a really good point actually, because that's how I feel about the Pixies. Like their forefathers, whereas Sonic Youth is just like a pretty singular yeah. Yeah. band. And that's why I feel like Pixies just doesn't have the same power it once did. Uh, whereas Sonic Youth does. And yeah, you know, like I love Sister. I, I think it's like, 
it, it just is somehow an overlooked record, even though everybody knows the classic, obviously it lives in daydream nation's shadow. Um, and I often find myself feeling like sister is better, but then it's like when I put on daydream nation, you know, it's like, it starts and I'm like, well, teenage ride is perfect, but yep. I probably, I probably won't listen to this whole thing right now. And then the next song starts and I'm like, well, I'm going to finish this one for sure. And then the next one, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'm like, well, I'm sticking around for this one. And then it's like, you know, then you're, you're coming up on the trilogy and you're like, well, I'm definitely sticking yeah. up for this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of just like a note for note, perfect record. I wouldn't change a single thing about it except, and I wanted to complain about this earlier about the Beastie Boys. Stop dividing up long yeah, songs yeah, on yeah. reissues. It pisses yes, me off so much. Please. Trilogy should be a 14 minute fucking mammoth masterpiece yep. as should the last song on Paul's boutique. Um, it makes you feel like, you know, a little anticlimactic when it just ends on like a two minute punk song. You know what I mean? But that's supposed to be the crescendo mm-hmm. of this whole thing. Anyway, I just wanted to vent about that, but how do you feel about this album, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I of course, obviously love this record. It, it is one of those records. Like, you know, when, when you think of something like nevermind, it's like, yeah, that's a great record, but like, I don't super like want to listen to it all, all the time. And while I, right. you know, I'm not listening to Daydream Nation every day or anything, but it is like like you said, Gabe. Like when, when you put it on, you're like, eh, okay, okay, I'll just make, you know, I'll make it through, you know, a couple tracks. But then, <laughs> yeah. but then, you know, you're on Eliminator Junior and you're done. You know, like it, it is like sort of like, yeah. it, it, it's just as good as it was the first time I I heard it. I think, you know, it it, it like right. really has like amazing like staying power i think you know like it, it is just yeah. like th- this is the record that like really makes sonic youth like like you you said like not just a footnote in rock history like they are a singular like you, you gotta know sonic youth you know like they th- this is a band you, you gotta know you gotta you gotta have at least heard this record like they are an excellent band yeah it, it's it's a weird thing it's like uh you know, I guess there are a lot of things, a lot of classics like this probably, but it just, it really strikes me as like the perfect definition of that kind of record where if you mention it, I'm like, you know what? I've listened to that too much. I'm not, I don't feel like listening to it, but once it started, mm-hmm. it's, you just, it just like hits you the same way it did like the first time. Um, you know, you have anything else to add, Darren, or should we just get this goddamn vote over with that you're obviously going to win? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You know, that's why I planned accordingly, played the waiting game while you assholes were blowing your load yeah. early in the first yeah. two rounds and bragging about your points. And now look who, you know, clearly, clearly yeah. comes away with the victory. I know. After after the last <laughs> one, I figured out that you obviously won and it uh, it bothered me. Yeah. But um, you did play, it was, you it did was play well the game. Yeah. It, was like, it was like in chess when you realize like a couple moves early <laughs> yes. that you're going to lose. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, so though. I think for all the shit, all the cheating that was going on on the old podcast show, I think this is... <laughs> it's know, rectified. I <laughs> Justice. Here. I think the thing, though, is we, we should... She should get an asterisk because we... Um, the, the, oh, the, the actual... <laughs> The actual like game that we came up with, we came up with after our picks. Um, so I probably wouldn't have picked Children of God if if well, it was going to make me lose. Um, but whatever. I guess that's true. I guess so that's... just an asterisk. But well, he, he wins. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I think what what we got to do is, you know, we're we're already running a little bit over time, but I want to like fly through a couple big picture issues, and you know, outside of the game, see if we maybe have a different opinion on these years. Um, not to take anything away from your victory, Darren, but if we included kind of the whole year, you know, I wonder if any like honorable mentions jumped out of you guys that, you know, almost made your list didn't quite, but 
still, you know, kind of contribute to how great the year was. What about you, Dan? 1987. Oh, for 87? I, I mean, I, I mentioned it like Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me from The Cure. You know, that one, I, I just basically didn't uh, choose it because of Disintegration. Uh, I mean, Depeche Mode music. A little uneven. Yeah, a little it's, bit. It's a little it's, too yeah. long. Like, it, it goes on a little yeah. bit too much. Uh, Depeche Mode music for the masses I like. Um, uh, Big Black songs about fucking yeah. is, is is a great record. Dinosaur Junior, you're living all over me. Is it? Yeah, it's I'm not. I'm not the biggest Dinosaur Junior fan. Um, another oh. one of those like sort of second tier classics is a uh, Jesus and Mary Chain's Darklands. Uh, that's a good record. Um, Spaceman oh. Three, Perfect Prescription. Uh, I like a lot. Um, Tom Waits, Frank's Wild Years is like the is like the dark horse candidate of Tom Waits uh, discography. So there's another 1987, uh, like, yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm not a huge uh, Tom Waits, uh, you know, fan. Um, The first Danzig record comes out in 87. That's a, or wait, no, that's 88. I'm sorry. Damn it. Um, Oh, Darren. Yeah, what about you, uh, Darren? What, any uh, honorable mentions jumped out of you on 1988? I mean, did you want me to talk about Metallica? Um, <laughs> <laughs> according to Rate Your Music, it's the fourth best uh, album of 1988. But, um, you know, there's a Di- Dinosaur Jr.'s Bug, which I'm like, uh-huh. it's all right, but it's not as good as um, as uh, yeah, Dan's record. Yeah, and, um, you know, nothing else, like, particularly jumps out at me. You know, ACDC had a, had a record. Oh, I knew. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I've, the connection like here, gotta... though, the connection here, though, is that the Beastie Boys actually quote an ACDC song on Paul's Boutique. Did you guys know there that? You go. I did not. I did not. 1981's is... For Those About to Rock um, <laughs> is an ACDC wow. song, and they, they quote it in... Uh... Well, they quote like literally thousands of yeah. things so yeah don't feel I, too I, good about that um i think 88 is actually like a great year you got the uh, you got yeah we we, we got to mention right talk talks yeah that, Eden, i was gonna say I that one it's just not when you're a little outside your wheelhouse darren but yeah. you know i think that would be in most people's starting for and it is like an absolute masterpiece public enemy it takes a nation yeah. of millions is it's not something i personally like very much but i, I respect that a lot of people see it as like a you know 10 out of 10 kind of thing like viva hate um, for morrissey that's a great record. Not, mm. you know, not like the best. Uh, same with like Cocteau Twins, Bluebell Knoll is like not the best, but it's like an absolute great uh, album. Tender Prey from uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's the same way. It's it's sort of a, a, a second yeah. tier classic. Galaxy 500 today. Mm, yeah, We're just like helping, helping Darren. Leonard Cohen, I'm Your Man, I think is a fantastic record. Um, for 1989, I think the deep cuts are a little bit more sparse, but you've got stuff like New Order Technique. Yeah. It's not my favorite it's but um it's a, it's a, in that kind of classic period you got stuff like kate bush the sensual world not you know not her best but it is up in the upper tier of her work um the stone roses a lot of people love it's it's never been like my thing i just it's like maybe too british i don't know i just can't get into it galaxy 500 on fire yeah, is great. like you know this iconic slow core type thing de la soul three feet high and rising for some reason i just like can't get that into this but another like absolute hip-hop classic it's crazy that like in just these like couple last years of the eighties, like hip hop just like accelerates from a interesting niche thing to like dropping like multiple classics every single year. Um, and Nirvana's bleach, of course I got a shout out there. Um, imperfect, but obviously like so essential and really just an enjoyable listen. So having like sort of brought those to bear, um, what do you guys really think is the best year out of these three? 
I mean, I kind of think maybe 88, you know, I, I mean, talk, talk spirit of Eden is, is just such a great record. Uh, I, I think it's tough to be. I love that. I love that uh, Nick Cave album. Uh, honestly, it, yeah, I think 87 is kind of the worst of the, the three when you look at everything. <laughs> um, because 89's got some good stuff too, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, Philip Glass solo piano is uh, is 89. Uh, yeah. Lou Reed, New York, that's a good record. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess how I, what, what I think is that like 87 has like a lot of incredible deep cuts, mm-hmm. um, 89 has like a couple stone cold classics and not like a ton of great deep cuts. And 1988 has both Stone Cold Classics yeah, and Incredible Deep Yeah, sort of the best so of both worlds. I think worlds. I would probably, <laughs> yeah, I would probably vote for 1988. I'm assuming, Darren, since you've been dishonest this entire game, that <laughs> you would also pick 1988. Uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, I think that both, you know, I think all three years have definitely things to talk about. Otherwise, we wouldn't, you know, be, be talking about them. I definitely loved getting to explore uh, Paul's Boutique, you know what I mean, from 89, like, that was just a really cool thing that I had totally missed out on. Um, it's also just kind of crazy thinking about how, like, all of these records were 80s records. It just, you know, and really none of them, I think, you know, maybe, maybe I guess Prince, right? Um, would I really have thought, like, yeah, this is 80s. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? <laughs> this is the 80s yeah. that I'm listening to. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable that just, like, so much of this... Yeah, I think I think that's my theory is that it's like because of the way we look back at the 80s, um, but it's weird how so many of these classics are more forward looking than, you know, of their of their time. Although there are a couple, you know, I think like Sign of the Times and I think like Disintegration, they kind of just feel like peak 80s and they're kind of great for that reason. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've gone a little over time. We had kind of a bunch of emails, but um, I just want to read like maybe uh just one of them so wait well before before we get to that there's one last thing about the years i wanted to mention um i wanted to ask you guys do do you think that you know you think any of our parents were listening to any of these records um around the Mm -hmm. time that we were born my parents definitely not yeah zero percent chance (laughs) yeah Yeah, no way no way uh they might have been into swans but (laughs) yeah My dad was probably listening to that ACDC record that I mentioned. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah mine but, too. <laughs> but I actually pulled up, I pulled up the number one songs on the Billboard charts on the, at least the, the week that we were born. So let's, oh, yeah, let's go yeah. through, through these and see who has the best uh, number one okay. song. Okay. So for Dan. Um, I actually know mine. It's uh, the song La Bamba. Yeah. Los Lobos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually knew, knew that. <laughs> uh, okay. And then for me, it's Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Wow. Wow. And then for Gabe, <laughs> Gabe, it's Step by Step from New Kids on the Block. Oh. Do you see, like, doesn't that just kind of, like, demonstrate <laughs> what a shitty decade the 80s was? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just just pick three random weeks and look at the number yeah, of but It's if- like a shitty 80s cover of, a, of like, a 50s song. Right. It's like the Beach Boys song, it's so terrible that it's kind of good if you do that like any time with the garbage. with the billboard chart though it sort of always happens it, it just always sort true, of sucks I, I just feel 
I feel like it's extra appalling, uh, this exercise. I didn't know what, had no idea what you were going to say. I will, um, I will say that La Bamba, I think, held down the number one longer than the other two. So there you go. Nice. (laughs) I have no choice but to give it to you again, Darren. Yeah. Kokomo is the better one. (laughs) The most lasting song there. It really is a, a feel good one. Um, okay. Let's, let me just run through a couple real quick emails. Okay, so we got a quite a few emails this week, actually, and I'm going to push a couple back till our next episode because we're running so late. But just a reminder, you can write us with uh, anything that's on your mind, topic requests, whatever, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Um, I am going to save most of these, like I said, but I just want to mention that we got some requests, some episode requests. We got Daniel, who requested Yola Tango. Um, we got... Uh, Jackson, who requested Pavement's Wowie Zowie for its 25th anniversary this week. And we got another one. Um, let's see. Luke asked us to talk about Mule Variations by Tom Waits. So I just want to acknowledge that and mention that, uh, Dan, right, you posted a discussion that we did not that long ago about Yola Tango on YouTube. Yeah, I posted it from our old podcast, uh, Metaphoric, um, of, uh, I can, what does that record call? I can feel... Two hearts beating as well. I can hear the yeah, heart. Yeah, I can never well. fucking remember the title of that record. But yeah, <laughs> I, I posted the uh, our little review of that. I was actually on vacation seeing swans, uh, uh, oddly enough. Um, oh. So I'm not in it. So if you want to skip it, that's fine. yeah and i just wanted to also mention there's some like archival type stuff on youtube Um, yeah i do i try to do it all the time but i'm very lazy so i don't do it that often (laughs) what is the what is our youtube handle uh pop shield pod i think (laughs) should be (laughs) team up for the plug um but as far as the other two, we've been talking actually about doing a Wowie Zowie episode and about doing a Tom Waits episode. And I'm like fully determined to do episodes on both of these. So we're going to like definitely add those to the list, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I, I kind of look at um, Tom Waits as a little bit of a blunder. Like I, I, I know Rain mm-hmm. Dogs. I know a little bit of stuff here and there. But like I don't know Mule Variations very well. Uh, I feel like it's something that is I should love. You know, it seems like very uh, Dan kind of thing and yeah. I, i've just never really gotten into it i don't love pavement um but i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Dan? i mean i absolutely love pavement uh wowie's always my favorite pavement record so i would absolutely love doing an episode on that and getting to listen to it a whole bunch um tom waits never been a big fan of it but also never really have uh listened to many of his records so i would be interested in uh focusing on one for sure all right, well, look out for those then, for sure. And like I said, a couple other emails, we'll, 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 we'll save. Don't worry, we'll get to them. All right, well, that's enough for this week. So what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on air. Like Gabe said, you can email us anything you want, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Next episode, guess what? Not sure. We'll, uh, probably, <laughs> we'll probably do one of those, uh, those requests, though. So if you like the show, help us out. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that junk. It's at popshieldpod, and we'll see you in two weeks. See you. So long.